0: Welcome back to the Argentina Project podcast. I'm Benjamin Gadan, director of the Wilson Center's Argentina Project. In part one of this special conversation, former U.S. Ambassador to Argentina, Noah Mamet, my former State Department colleague, hosts his successor, Edward Prado, who served as ambassador in Buenos Aires until this past January. They discuss their experiences representing very different U.S. presidents and interacting with very different Argentine governments. Thanks so much, Benjamin, and thanks to the Argentina Project at the Wilson Center and Ambassador Prado. It's great to see you again, my friend. So uh, I'm glad you're well in this uh, really tough era we're living through with COVID. And I know you went through the terrible storms down in San Antonio, so I'm glad you're well. I I wanted to ask the the first question. What what were your expectations going into the job as ambassador? Because you were a non-career ambassador like me and like many others that we know. Um, what were your your expectations versus the experience, both at the work level and then also on the personal level? Because this is the kind of job, I think if you're a non-career ambassador, you really don't have much uh, experience working with an embassy um, or working inside an embassy. So so I'd love to hear your thoughts and what the reality was versus the uh, expectation or perception.
1: Good to be with you, Noah, and good to see you again. I had the opportunity to go to Buenos Aires and uh, other parts of Argentina, about five different occasions as a judge. And uh, so I was invited and I went and, and enjoyed meeting uh, judges and prosecutors and lawyers. And that's how I got to know and be interested in Argentina. And that was my only experience is dealing with the judiciary. And uh, after 34 years of being a, a judge, I thought, well, something different. The executive branch uh, going into it knowing, well, we're going to be negotiating international issues. Uh, there'll be some U.S. companies doing business down there, and I'll be the spokesperson for for the uh, administration. Uh, but like you, not exactly sure exactly what to expect. Uh, as a judge, you, your life is much more isolated. Your social life is is somewhat isolated you have to be careful where you go you can't go to any political events or any fundraisers that lend your name to anything uh but getting to the to the embassy was such a different thing because there was something going on every night as you know and sometimes two or three events a night and i wasn't used to that big social thing and hosting events living in a house like the boche palace uh, I went from my house with no uh, assistance and help here to all of a sudden you're you have a staff of 9 people that are taking care of the house and hosting events of several hundred people twice a week sometimes during the day and being a host to events and and making public speeches almost several times a week was something way different than the isolated life of a judge getting to meet people in the executive branch of Argentina. Being there in Argentina at the capital, you met almost every person on the president's staff, ministers, the cabinet level people, uh, mayors, uh, governors of provinces. As a judge, I just didn't meet people of, of that type. I'm dealing with all the different U.S. companies. Or as you know, there are only over 300 U.S. companies doing business there, and they always have some issues, some problem, and they come to the embassy for help or assistance. So in in some ways, you're also the the representative and spokesperson for some of these companies that have issues. And that was different. I, I as a judge, I was the decision maker that listened to both sides and, and made a decision. And all of a sudden, I was one of those making the arguments and trying to persuade people to see things from my perspective. And I was more of an advocate for the United States or a particular company more than the uh judge who sits and makes a final decision. So it, it was. It was a dramatic change uh, to have all the social activities that that we had and to be an advocate rather than just a a decision maker.
0: I want to congratulate you. Uh, I want to congratulate you on on a a great uh, term in representing the United States. I always felt that representing the United States abroad is the greatest honor uh, you could have, I think, in in your professional life. Uh, We met, I think, the first week or two after you arrived. Um, and you were very gracious to me, and uh, and I just want to congratulate you on, on a great three years. We had something in common because we both served when they had two different presidents. You know, I was there basically one year under with Christina, President Kirchner, and then one year with President Macri. And so uh, I wanted to ask you, because you had one year, a little bit less, I think, with President Macri, and now the rest of your term with uh, President Alberto Fernandez. Tell me your experience and, and your personal relationship, if you had one, you know, with, with the two of them. What was it like to work with them and, and you know, sort of, you could say their ministers, their staff? I, I had to hit the hit the ground running because the the G20 was
1: coming up in a few months after I got there. And you had uh, many G20s leading up to the actual G20. So I, I think I had uh, five, six U.S. cabinet members come. Uh, uh before. So I was hosting uh the, the the Secretary of uh Energy, uh Commerce, uh uh Treasury, uh they all came down here and I had to, we had a VIP person coming in. I'd been on the job two or three months uh and uh, hosting all them and then uh Trump came down for the G twenty and you had to host him and and so it was all this Overwhelming experience of of hitting the ground running, preparing for the G twenty, and having all these uh, people coming in. Um, uh, the the Macri administration uh, was more in line with with our viewpoints, as you know. Uh, and uh, meeting his cabinet members and dealing with cabinet members, I had the opportunity to see him in in person. And because there were events going on all the time, I'd run into him at different events, and we'd talk briefly and. Uh, more than just having a formal meeting where there was business, you just have chit chat. And I was able to build up a, a good relationship, I thought, with all the cabinet members and with the vice president and uh, President Macri, uh, because we would see each other at different events. Uh, or uh, go to to his house, uh, the president's house, because I had a cabinet member that wanted to meet with Macri. So I I saw Macri frequently, uh, as with his cabinet members, um, and then. You have the change of administrations. The the as you know the the Peronist viewpoint, the Christina influence. Uh, their perspective wasn't as uh, as in line with us uh, as as the Macri administration was. Uh, they saw things a little bit different. So you started to build up relationships. And their first few months, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to get organized and. Name their cabinet members, and and their cabinet members are coming on board and trying to figure out what their job is, what their role is, what does uh, Fernandez, both Fernandes, mm-hmm. what do they expect of of me and of my agency? So they're trying to get their feet on the ground before they even start meeting with with the ambassadors. And then finally, when we got to the point of let's make contact with their cabinet members and get to know them because we're going to be negotiating and discussing issues. The COVID hit, so then it was really difficult these last ten months of of communicating with them because the only time I would communicate with them was through a video conference, Zoom, or a telephone call, and you didn't see each other at events all the time. So, building a relationship with the Fernandez uh, uh, administration was rather challenging and difficult because you you just didn't have the time. Are the opportunity to see them, talk to them, and and just generally have friendly talks that would build up a trust and a relationship. It was always I'm calling you because of this particular issue, and we need your help, or or, we need you to look at our viewpoint, or whatever. And it was business, and it was just not the friendly relationship trust that was uh, built up with the mockery people because I didn't have the opportunity to do that. So. It was more difficult because the only time they'd hear from me was, "Uh uh-oh, what does the U.S. want now type of thing, as opposed to going to an asado and drinking a little bit of Malbec wine, as I did with the Macri people. Those opportunities didn't come up with with the Fernandez administration. And their Fernandez administration not being as in line with the U.S. viewpoint on, on things, sometimes it was rather challenging trying to convince them of the u s viewpoint, uh with the mockery administration there was trust, and they said, mm-hmm. yeah, we understand we we agree, and we'll go along with it most of the time, But with Fernandez, it was a little bit more difficult explaining in detail our position and why, and trying to convince them uh of a particular company needing a particular statute or regulation or whatever. Uh, it it became more difficult and then run in the embassy when when the embassy's closed down and your staff is essentially at home uh, Made it rather difficult.
0: You know, Edward We had really uh, mere images in some ways of our experience because you know The first year I was there was Christina and and was president and as you said, we had a very challenging relationship back then um, uh, Disagreed on on most things um, and she, she didn't meet with any ambassadors that I know of at the end of her second term, including the U.S. ambassador, me. And when I told that they couldn't believe it because no matter what the government is around the world, they, they always will meet with the U.S. ambassador, even if it is over disagreements. But um, uh, I told D.C., I said, don't take it personal. I'm not taking it personal. We're, we have an agenda that we're moving forward on. You know, and then I, we kind of laid out an agenda of science, technology, energy, especially renewable and educational exchanges, figuring it was hard to attack those four subject areas and then laying the groundwork for when Macri came in. We already knew him because he was mayor of Buenos Aires and, and much of his team came from the city. So we already knew them. And it went from having, you know, just very distant relationship to a very close relationship, um, in part, like you said, because we saw each other a lot. And President Macri, I think, was the first uh, Argentinian president to come to Palacio Bosch, the residence, in 20 years. Um, it also helped. We had President Obama come down there for a state visit, which was also very historic. Um, and so speaking of, you had President Trump come down. I had President Obama, as as Benjamin said, very different figures. Anything that stands out in your mind, either public or private that you can talk about that was uh, interesting or awkward or fun um on that trip? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh there's there's We're several getting. stories. Well we'll talk about those later. But sure. yeah, the, the thing is, first off the bat, it's like, okay, well the president's coming. I said, okay, fine, the president's coming. Uh yeah. And he's coming with a thousand people. Yeah. And I was what? A thousand people? Yes, and he needs uh 200, I can't remember the number, but it's something like 200 of them are Secret Service or his detail. And then another 100 for the press. And so we need credentials. So I'm going, well, that's a lot. So you go to the Argentine government and go, wait a minute, We're this is our country. You don't need 200 people running around with guns when you have 20 of the leaders of the world of other countries around. Why should we give you that? Plus, you're asking for more than twice any other country uh, that's unreasonable uh, and we can't deliver. So then you go back to the White House and you say, look, I asked and uh, they don't want to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we want it. We're the U.S. and we want it and we're going to get it. And I'm going to. And, you know, putting me in the middle of negotiations. And then you finally get a a, a reasonable amount of Secret Service agents. And then Argentina says well we'll give you those agents but uh they can't have firearms so then you go back to the white house and you say okay uh uh you're going to get the amount of se- of secret service agents you want but they can't all carry firearms well our agents carry firearms and there were little things like that where you're you're in the middle of things uh uh when when president trump was leaving they said we want you to be uh at the airplane at air force 1 to bid him farewell. So we want you to come to the hotel where he's staying. He did not stay at, at the Bosch Palace, uh, with your group. And there'll be two caravans. You take off in the first caravan and you'll be at the airport to meet President Trump. He's gonna be meeting with the President of China at the hotel when you arrive. Uh and and him and others will then go in the second caravan and meet you at the airport. So we leave with my group of of security uh, in two cars from the palacio bush to the the hotel where the president was staying and being the u.s ambassador security let me all the way in and we went right into the hotel the driveway of the hotel when a bunch of chinese people come out yelling at us and then the u.s secret service comes out yelling at us and mike my security detail is Argentines that speak Spanish. They don't understand the Chinese. And I understood the Secret Service, but it, it turned out that the president of China was just about to arrive and park right where I had come and parked. And everyone was panicking because he was coming right behind me. So luckily, we moved just in time as the Chinese president arrived to, to go visit with with, uh, with President Trump. But Uh, It could have caused a big issue that the U.S. ambassador was blocking the way for the Chinese president to come meet with President Trump. Um, But that was one adventure of 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 many. Then, once he left, uh, we got stuck in in, on the runway because then Great Britain, Germany, and others were leaving, so they froze any uh, departures from the airport. So we had to wait about two hours at the airport before they'd let us come back and, and and depart. So we were there and we were watching all the planes from all the other countries leave uh, because uh, security would not let us cross over to the airport to our automobiles. Uh, but it was, it was an adventure. It was interesting. Um, a opportunity that I never had had to meet the president and meet cabinet members. I think uh, being in Argentina, I, I met cabinet members and president, which I've never had done in the U S as, as a judge. You just, Aren't involved politically, and it was kind of awkward to all of a sudden be involved in, in the political area of things and being part of the executive branch. Never having been, been part of it, so
0: you know, um, it's to your credit you were able to navigate that because what I've told a lot of people, at least my experience, being ambassador, it, it's much more akin to being a candidate. I, I think in many ways, and, and I came at it, you know, campaigns and politics my whole life, and um, uh, it reminds me of your your funny story. I, I had. Uh, so similar in some ways, President Obama came down, and he stayed at Palacio Bosch. As you know, he was the uh, uh, fourth president, U.S. president, over the years to stay at Palacio Bosch. And they they basically say, "Look at it." He does. He he will say at the last second who goes in the car with him. It depends on his mood and the time of the day and the issues. And so there was ambassadors, at least with that president. Uh, You may or may not go with him in in the beast, in the limousine. And it was the last second, you know, he said, come on, Noah, come with me. And we drove from Placio Bosch to Casa Rosada. And during that drive, um, I'm I'm sitting across from him and we're having a discussion and Susan Rice, National Curie Advisor and Ben Rhodes, Deputy National Curie, the four of us. And as the president's talking to me, he just waves like this, but he doesn't look out the window and he waves with his other hand. And it took me a minute to realize they can't see which hand he's waving, you know, and because the streets were just loaded with people. So normally you go with your left hand. Right. And he would just do it this way. And I think he learned that they can't tell. So he can continue to have a conversation and every once in a while go like this. And then when we get to Casa Rosada, they open the door. He goes out. Nobody told me which door we go out. And so I have to ask this national security Advisor, And she said, we go out the other door. And as President Obama, with President Macri, started walking, as you know, the security goes with them. And so we literally had to run around the car and run back into the bubble. Um, and and we caught up to the group. But uh, those little things that everybody thinks it's so well orchestrated, and it almost 98% of it is, but 2% is on the fly. Yeah, I had that with
1: a couple of the of the cabinet members, the secretaries that came down here and I wasn't sure am I supposed to ride with him or not. And they said, well, we'll have to wait till the second, the last second, but be prepared. Otherwise you're going in car number three and you have to run to car number three, cause he's going to be in car number one, taking off, but maybe he'll let you ride it with him in car number one. So be prepared to either run back to car number three or get into car number one with them. And so there you are till the last second, they come rushing out of something and then they'll give a, a wave. And a couple of times I rode with in car number one with the secretary and Couple of times I rode into car number three or number four, but you have little. I guess I can tell this story, but little things. When the uh, deputy uh, secretary of state came, and he came with Ivanka uh, Trump, and and the White House staff and State Department staff got into a quasi argument over who was the most important representative of the U.S. The deputy deputy secretary of state are Ivanka Trump, the, the the daughter's special assistant to the president. And then my staff is saying, you're the ambassador, you're the highest ranking American here, not either one of them. You're the yeah, judge. Either one. Of them. Yeah. yeah. So so it's like arguing over whose car was gonna go first in the caravan. And, and if I don't know that Ivanka Trump or the deputy secretary of state even knew this was going on, but the staffers are the ones among themselves arguing over which one goes in what car and what trivia stuff that they get into.
0: Stay tuned for part two of our conversation with former U.S. ambassadors to Argentina, Noah Mamet and Edward Prado, when we'll discuss the relationship between the United States and Argentina, where it stands today and where it's headed.
1: Thank you for listening to the Argentina Project podcast. This episode was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. For more on this subject, visit our website www.wilsoncenter.org/lap